Hey, what up, guys? Uh, no regular upload on this Monday. This time, I'm just doing a podcast. Uh, that being said, a lot more content coming out, uh, but this one, just getting down to business, uh, is pretty much going over how to make golf vlogs and basically my tips and tricks for people who want to be a creator in this space. So I think I have some, I guess, legit... Uh, I mean, I'm not like a huge creator by subscriber count by any means, but I've made a lot of content. So uh, this would be perfect for anyone who's interested in getting into it. And I'll be sharing my tips and tricks. So that being said, before I get into it, the number one rule, the number one thing I want you to take away from this if you decide to create content for golfing, basically the number one rule is like do not deter or take anything away from other people in your group that you're golfing with when you're doing any golf content creation. So I know we see a lot of funny you know, content out there, the Bob Does Sports guys, the good, good guys, but they have like special privileges where they probably are on well understanding with the course and the people that are with to do what they do. But for us normal guys, yeah, just make sure you're playing with pace, you know, be respectful, let people know that you're filming. And um, yeah, for me personally, I usually play with people that I know and I let them know if I'm going to record and make sure they're comfortable with it before I do so. So that's just my number one rule. If you're going to take anything away from that, if you're going to create content for golf on the course, just be respectful of everyone there and keep the pace. So that being said, largely vlogging consists of like two main components, which is one, capturing the footage, and then two, you know, rec uh, editing that footage that you capture. So I'm going to go through both. And there's like one subcomponent, which is like playing golf while vlogging, but and I'll touch on that last. But largely, those are the two main things, basically, when it comes to, you know, content creation in general is capturing footage and then editing the footage that you have. So pretty much I'm going to go through like the setups that I've gone through. Uh, in terms of, you know, this whole channel and how it's evolved to what I have today. But essentially, you know, starting right off the bat, my first setup was just with an iPhone and a gimbal from DJI. So I will put uh, my gimbal recommendations in the, uh, there'll be a, like affiliate links in the description below. But basically, I'm going to go through each setup, talk about pros and cons, and then uh, pretty much just... Uh, you know, tell, show you how I've evolved from what I'm currently using today. But yeah, I started off with just the iPhone uh, 12 Pro Max, you know, just filming all my vlogs on there. I filmed everything in 4K, so it took a lot of data. I had the biggest, you know, memory-sized iPhone that I could get. Filmed everything in 4K, but I exported it in 1080. So lots of pros and cons with just using an iPhone. You know, the pros is that most everyone has an iPhone in their pocket. So, you know, it is cost-effective in that regard the quality is actually pretty decent and it's good enough to make a successful channel so not a scratch golfer he actually has his whole channel made on an iphone uh, and he has almost forty thousand subscribers so yeah it's a testament to how powerful an iphone is and more about it's more about yes good good looking content is good but the content has to be quality in itself and so that's how you get more subscribers it's just delivering on on the quality of the actual content rather than the quality of how it looks. Uh, that being said, there are some cons with just using the iPhone. It can be distracting having your phone as your main shooting device because you have notifications coming from texts, you have phone calls that come in, anything with using a smartphone basically is a con because uh, yeah, you could just be doing normal day-to-day -day stuff. And when you're in the zone, you don't want like those kind of things distracting you from capturing the content when you're on the course. Another thing that can be a big problem is battery. 
And if you have an iPhone, the, the, the ports on the iPhone is just a lightning port, right? So if you want to plug in a mic to that port, it kind of takes up that spot where you can plug in a charger. And then, yeah, what happens when your battery starts running out for your iPhone and you have the mic port plugged in, you're not going to be using your mics. So that's also a problem. Storage capacity is also an issue. If you have a smaller uh, storage or memory sized iPhone, then that's going to be a problem if you're going to shoot in 4K or better. And then lastly is heat. So a problem with a lot of, I guess, content creation outdoors is the fact that heat is a problem. Uh, in my tobacco road vlog, I ended up pretty much basically having a Ziploc bag with ice and water and I dunked it in there to cool off my phone because it was not having a good time. So uh, yeah, it ended up making some of the pictures a little fuzzy for a couple of the holes because there was like fog on the lens from the heat and the cold of of the water that I dunk my phone in, but yeah, heat is definitely an issue. So tips on using an iPhone for your capturing device for golf content. So first, if you're going to spend more money on any part of your setup, just improve the uh, audio aspect of things. So the Rode mics or wireless transmitter transceiver mics are a very good upgrade. So rather than up, upping the you know, picture quality, I think I would definitely focus on audio quality. Um, and I'll leave you know the road mics that I use in the description below. And if you have a new iPhone with a cinematic mode, do not use it. Uh, that cinematic mode is to create that that cinematic depth of field look, and pretty much it's only for you know those cinematic shots. But when you're on the course, you want to see all of the golf course. You don't want to just see a cinematic you know subject and then the background blurred. So I suggest don't using the cinematic mode on your content if you're doing like vlogs or anything. It, it doesn't really make sense in that case. I know it's like a feature and everyone goes cool and ham about it, but it doesn't make sense uh, in, in this in this case. So just another tip there. All right, another tip is that if you're using the Shot Tracer app on your iPhone, uh, you have to turn off the HDR footage for your videos when editing in the Shot Tracer app because it will turn out to be like these really muted green and like gray tones in the video. So there's a setting in the iPhone that says, uh, I guess you go into formats when you go into the camera app and then turn on most compatible uh, versus high efficiency, I believe it's called. So most compatible, make sure you're not shooting in HDR and it's more friendly to uh, the other applications that you'll be uploading your footage to. If you have the most compatible not turned on, if you upload just, even if you record a video in HDR and then you upload it to YouTube, it'll be this green muted, like gray, like toned video and it doesn't look good. So that's pretty much the pros and cons of using an iPhone. I used it for a good portion of the channel, like the first probably first year plus, and it's it's very very uh, you know I guess uh, effective uh, tool. All right, next up is what I currently shoot on, which is a mirrorless camera. I have the GH5 Mark II uh, Panasonic mirrorless camera. It's a micro four third four thirds uh, format, and basically. You know, what you get with getting a dedicated shooter is like flexibility in the formats that you're shooting. And then it's kind of nice having a separate dedicated device to shoot just video where a lot less uh, variables are introduced. And therefore, you know, you want to basically get rid of all variables that would inhibit you from capturing your footage on the course. So like before I was using my phone, and I was trying to shoot something and I got a phone call, it messes up the video file. 
you're not going to get a phone call on your camera, right? So that's what's nice about having a dedicated separate camera. And I just picked the GH5 because it has really good quality, uh, has really good um, you know, formats, a ton of formats that you can choose from, good color science, uh, and it doesn't need a lot. Of, you don't need a lot of autofocus uh, for outdoor golf, you know, because you don't need that depth of field. And so it's been a really good camera for me um, in terms of, you know, creating golf content. So other pros is that, you know, simple operation. You just flip it on, hit one button. You see on the screen that's recording, you're good to go. Battery life is going to be really good, obviously, because you can have a bunch of different batteries that bought that you can buy on the side and just put them in when one goes when one is low. And then also capacity uh, is definitely something like in terms of memory is not an issue because you can just have more memory cards. So, you know, big upgrade from an iPhone. But like I said, you know, an iPhone is something or, or a smartphone is something that you can definitely have a channel on and, uh, you know, make great content for golf. And then lastly for this GH5 in particular is that they do not have overheating issues. So some of the cameras before that are more affordable in terms of the Sony realm, they have overheating issues if you shoot in like 4K for a long period of time. I took this GH5 Mark II out in, you know, my very hot over, you know, I think it was called intense heat that I've ever most intensity I've ever played in and the camera performed like a champ. It had no issues, was just shooting 4K all day. And yeah, I mean, I couldn't be more happy with the results of that. So obviously the cons of this setup is pretty much, it's uh, a lot more expensive, <laughs> you know, like way more expensive if you're gonna buy this in addition to a phone. And the larger setup does attract a lot of eyes and sometimes you get a lot of skeptics and looking at over at you and saying, hey, what are you doing? Or, you know, you kind of get this feeling that, you know, if you have a big setup, you know, it's definitely going to attract attention and sometimes you don't want that. So those are, you know, the two cameras that I have used in, in, in you know, building this channel. But like I said, a lot of it in the beginning was uh, on my iPhone. So like I said, a lot of people have gone far with just shooting on iPhone uh, and pretty much that goes through, you know, the progression of cameras. So that's like the cameras and, you know, the gear that I use to capture the, uh, you know, the footage. But when I'm on the course, this breaks down to even further categories of like my sh filming setups. So I have two separate filming setups. I'll put a picture up here. One is the push cart setup and the other is the golf cart setup. So uh, I try to walk as much as possible because I just enjoy walking. However, uh, you know, sometimes when I don't walk, I need a setup for when I take a golf cart, which I think is more of a pain to film in my personal opinion. But for the push cart setup, I used, uh, you know, pretty much when I had the iPhone, I had the DJI OM4 gimbal. And I've tried the OM3, the OM5. And for other reasons, you know, not worth mentioning right now, the OM4 is probably your best bet. The OM5 has a smaller battery and a lower, a, a shorter, uh, I guess, sleep saver mode. And like it like turns off after like 30, like a minute or something. But the sleep saver mode on the OM4 is pretty long. And it's long enough to uh, wait in between shots to where it won't completely turn off when it's in a sleep mode. Uh, so that's why I picked the OM4. So basically I would take the DJI OM4 gimbal and then I had like a little mini tripod, like mini tripod stand on the bottom of it and I'd shove it into the umbrella holder of my push cart. And so basically I'd walk up to my ball, like maybe a couple yards behind it, set up my shot, start recording, 
pick up my club, go to my ball, hit the ball, come back to my cart after, uh, you know, I, I hit it and then stop recording and then start moving to my ball with my push cart. So it was really f effective way to film the round because you don't have to mess around with the tripod. I think that's why I don't like, you know, a golf cart in this case or like going in a golf cart when I play golf. I prefer if I'm shooting content, I much prefer just having my uh, camera in the umbrella holder with a little tripod stand. And the main thing with the gimbal, it's like easy to like frame your shot. But then on a uh, with my bigger camera, I have make sure I have like a ball head tripod where I can like adjust it and make sure it's level. And so, yeah, it's so much simpler than using a setup for when I'm walking or and when I'm um, using a golf cart. So pretty much that's how I do things now. And I have the Rode Wireless Go mics, which are very good. Uh, like I said, we'll link them down below. Uh, in terms of the golf cart setup, I have a monopod pretty much like a long, just extendable monopod. And at the bottom, it has like three little legs. And then the main part problem with a couple things with a tripod is that a tripod is really unwieldy because there's three legs that you have to adjust and take out and set up and make sure they're stable. Uh, with the monopod, it's just with the small three legs, you know, it's a lot easier to put in and out of your golf cart. And it's just so much easier to to set up and tear down before your shot. So the monopod that I have, I'll put in the link in the description below. But yeah, I just have a ball head that I, you know, tighten and untighten for framing the shot. I put it on the ground. There's like an extra five pound weight that I put on there or two and a half pound weight to make sure it's a little bit more stable. I hit record, walk up to the ball, uh, hit the ball, come back, stop recording and get back into the cart. So that's pretty much my golf cart setup and my, I guess, push cart setup when I'm filming on the course. So if you have any questions, just let me know. But basically with all of these, you just want to make sure you're able to, to set up and then break down you know, your rig as fast as possible to not inhibit pace of play. And I find that I like play the same speed almost because when I'm not, I guess, set up to film or if I'm not filming my golf round, I'm pretty just like I have more time uh, to think about my shot. But in terms of like the actual time it takes to like hit or anything, like it's pretty much the same with or without recording because I've gotten pretty efficient at, um, at a, a playing golf and filming content on the course. So I guess future setups or other options, people, I've seen people use camcorders a lot. Uh, if anytime you have like a third shooter or a second shooter, someone that can like, you know, film you while you're on the course, a camcorder is a great option because it has really good zoom. Um, zooms on mirrorless cameras are very expensive. So yeah, a camcorder that can, it has long recording time is like really ideal. And I guess that's like kind of like where you know, I see myself in the future is, is uh, basically doing, having a second shooter with a camcorder that's probably like Panasonic to keep it in the same color, color science. Uh, so yeah, maybe if it ever grows to be something bigger, that's, that's what I'll do. But I seen people use camcorders. Uh, people really like Sony because they have good autofocus. But ultimately, that is my setup in terms of how I capture footage on course and then the devices that I have used uh, on the channel. So pretty much, yeah, iPhone to the, the GH5 and then improving audio over time. I highly recommend the wireless go mics. You just strap it on and then you can just golf with it and get capture really good audio uh, as a suggestion. So now it's time to move on to editing footage. So first things first, you know, just to tell you right now, there are no shortcuts when editing footage. 
It's going to take time. Uh, it's just like picking up anything new. It will take forever at first, and then with repetition and practice, you get a little faster, uh, and you know you get a little bit better. Then you find ways to optimize, and then you know really figure out how to do things faster. But in the beginning, it's going to take forever. So don't go into. There is no easy formula just to kind of just throw all your files together and then instantly get something that's worthy of posting on on YouTube or just posting in general. So that being said. Uh, pretty much my best tip for, for all this editing is actually from Golf Sidekick. He made a video on how to make these videos as well. Um, and it's to put your graphics in like a Google Doc or a PowerPoint and then take screenshots from that and then put it into your videos. So that's something that I learned from, other, from another creator that has been extremely helpful. Uh, that being said, the first way I used to edit videos was iMovie on my iPhone. So even my most popular videos, like one of my Pebble Beach video, that was edited on my iPhone with my, you know, on my small iPhone Pro 12 Max, uh, you know, and I pretty much used the tools available to me. So the Shot Tracer Pro app has graphics where it pops up and says, you know, your name and what and how many over you are and what hole you're on. So I used that on the Shot 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 tracer app and then yeah pretty much the pros and cons of that pros is that it's pretty cheap on the iphone it's free uh and all you have to do is pay like six bucks for the shot tracer app and you're good to go uh the shot tracer app is a little finicky like i said it's a tool that you need to learn it's not something that is just like plug and play that you're going to instantly get beautiful shot tracers it's going to take time and you need to learn that tool in order to have good results uh, but it will take some time the cons of that, obviously, there's limited editing capabilities for sure, and it's tedious to edit on a small form factor. So I was kind of like made it a challenge to edit everything on my iPhone because I thought it was kind of cool. But over time, when I started creating more in volume, it got a really tedious to edit you know, on a tiny screen. So pretty much, yeah, I use iMovie on iPhone for a good chunk of my videos, and some of my most successful videos came from that. And so, like I said, it's more about the content uh, not as much about like how beautiful things look, although it does help. Um, so some tips on that using I, iMovie on iPhone. Don't export an HDR, like I said. Same reason why if you export an HDR and you start uploading it to places, you're going to get a weird-looking, like, whitish, muted, gray, green-looking video. And then shoot in 4K if you can, and then punch, like, export in 1080. Uh, because if you crop in on a 4K video and you export in 1080, you won't have any like quality loss. And so, and punching in on videos and like, you know, you'll see a lot of YouTubers do this where they like zoom in a little bit, punch in a little bit to make the person that watching, you know, watch more, more intently and catch their eye. So that's something that I did a lot on uh, iMovie on the iPhone was this like, I would shoot in 4K, but export in 1080p, and then punch in a little bit to, like if I was chipping a ball, I'd chip it, then cut it, then punch in on the next clip uh, to where my ball landed, and you could see it roll up. Those kind of, you know, little things really help people and keep their, help keeps people's attention to your video. So that was the first way I edited the videos was on iMovie on iPhone. So moving to the next uh, form factor, I actually used LumaFusion on iPad, which is kind of like a finger friendly, like, you know, definitely meant for use your hands video editor. 
um, but it's more timeline based, which is kind of like the bigger programs out there, like DaVinci or Final Cut or Premiere. So it was pretty much my foray because I took it a little bit more seriously. I was using an iPad to edit now. Um, I was still uh, exporting in 4K, I mean in 1080p. Uh, and pretty much the pros on that is that it has something called keyframing. Keyframing is a video technique where you, you insert markers in a video and then between the two markers, you tell the, the, the video editing software what you want to happen to that video. So like if you want to zoom, you mark two keyframes. You say in the first frame, I want 100% scale. Second frame, I want 200% scale. And then by the second frame, it'll zoom in 200%. So that's what keyframing key is very high level and the editing on a bigger form factor was definitely nice. I will say like editing on, you know, editing on an iPhone got really tiring and really old really fast. And so it was nice to edit on the couch on an iPad and, you know, make videos um, for the channel uh, in that way. Some cons with that still it's a limited, uh, you know, limited software in terms of editing capabilities. Um, and it's even less than industry, strand, industry standard. You know, everyone's using probably DaVinci and Premiere and like maybe less Final Cut. Um, but, you know, if you invest a lot of time and skill into LumaFusion, it's like you're not really building outside of that. The concepts are very similar, uh, but, you know, I think it's more for hobby hobbyists in my opinion. And so I didn't want to invest too much more time in LumaFusion, so I upgraded to the next thing. And then the last con about this whole setup is that Shot Tracer app you cannot use in 4K. You only do Shot Tracer app, you know, on the mobile version in 1080. So I could, you know, edit in 4K, export in 4K pretty easily, but my Shot Tracers were still in 1080, which got me into this like secondary mode. So I got a Mac Mini just so I could do Shot Tracers in 4K, so I can use the Shot Tracer Pro app on Mac OS, and so I was you know, airdropping files between my Mac mini and my iPad. And then I started exporting a few videos in 4k in that way. But then pretty much, uh, that was too tedious for me. And I upgraded and went all in editing on my laptop. I got a MacBook pro, uh, and I decided to go final cut route because I didn't want to play subscription for, uh, you know, editor so editing software. I was thinking about maybe doing DaVinci resolved, but ended up sticking with the Mac because I had an iPhone uh, at the time. I was like, oh yeah, this is really nice. I can import my iPhone footage to my computer. And then now if I were to do it all over again, I might've stuck with DaVinci or Premiere because now I'm using a actual camera that's not an iPhone. So I'm not married to the iPhone ecosystem or the Apple ecosystem, but I still enjoy using it. So no problems there. Um, so pretty much the pros of you know an, a MacBook and pretty much, you know, Final Cut is that it's very flexible editing wise. It's still not, doesn't have all the features. Like a lot of people who do Shot Tracers natively without the Shot Tracer Pro app, they create their own in After Effects, which is an Adobe product. So yeah, but still Final Cut Pro is very flexible. Uh, now I can, with this setup, with, you know, my current setup, I can use the Shot Tracer Pro app, which is higher res. And then it handles most, uh, like weird edge cases, which is nice. So very flexible, but the cons of all this, you know, MacBook Pro, Final Cut Pro, Shot Tracer Pro is that it's expensive, you know, like it is very expensive, but uh, for me, it's worth it. I've been, you know, invested in this for quite some time now, and I think it's worth it. And tips is tips I have to give if you go this route, like Google is your friend. You know, if you want to learn how to do something, 
most likely someone has made a video somewhere of it some and showed you how to do something so definitely that is like something to take into consideration so that being said i talked about the setups and how i capture footage with iphone and my mirrorless camera i also talked about you know my editing uh the ways i edited footage you know over time uh, and so something if you're still around you know my last thing is talk what i want to talk about is playing while filming so absolutely yes it adds strokes uh to your total score when you're filming uh, just because it's so much more to do and you can't focus 100 mentally on the golf um that's a little bit more pressure too like the video where i choked uh, you know i could have shot easily in the 70s but i was thinking oh man i gotta do it for the video ended up choking and you know didn't shoot a good round after all that i will say sometimes it does make it a little bit less enjoyable you know sometimes you just want to hang out with your friends chill and not think about recording anything and you know with this particular you know hobby and recording while you're on the course it takes away from that enjoyment sometimes but sometimes you capture really fun moments because you know then then you have footage from you know things that you'll never forget because you have it on camera so that's also something to think about um i will say if you're not the greatest at golf in the first place it makes it that much harder so you need to be really good and f fast at you know setting up and taking down your setup to capture footage because you're just gonna like slow people down so you know they, they say it doesn't matter if you're really bad at golf as long as you play fast uh which i totally agree but if you're really bad at golf and then you're really bad at shooting videos and you're not fast enough there, it's just going to, you know, upset everyone who you're playing with and, and ultimately not be great for the group. So it will be harder if you're not great at golf. So if you're going to courses that are really busy, you know, I would probably, you know, be wary of, of yourself and be more self-conscious. So go during an off hour or just try to shoot only a few holes to see if that's something you want to do. Like don't do the full 18 or full nine. You know, just start shooting and then do one hole. See how that goes and edit that and export that. Do a short, you know, film vertically, you know. So, yeah, that being said, if you're not great at golf, filming might not be, uh, not, 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 not might be for you. And so I guess my other thing is that, like, over time, just practice setting up and taking down your camera. You know, like, over time, you'll build that as a skill. And then you really just need to think, how can I get faster and so you don't have to focus on the filming and just focus more on golf. So um, that being said, if you have any questions, let me know. That's kind of what I want to discuss. Like I said, I'm not releasing any videos on this Monday because, you know, I'm going on a trip. I have a lot of time to edit on the plane, but, you know, lots of content that's still to come that I haven't edited yet, but there's no way I was going to be able to get something out in a timely manner. So just decided to record a podcast. Um, so hope you guys enjoyed that one. Keep chasing and we'll see you in the next one.